life question mark here we go we're live expect that at all what i know that? i know come on hello <laughs> welcome back to yeah. first frames first good work jason green you are Thank a you. true talent that Thanks. was awesome uh welcome to the back to the show we've been away for a little while um i'm gonna i'm gonna pull this i am gonna pull this in closer so i can read when people yeah. are talking to me here we go mm. uh, uh how, how have you been adrian good how are you mm-hmm Excellent. Yeah. Happy to be back and podcasting once again. Look, I gotta, I gotta just we, get this centered. Otherwise, you're gonna be mad here. Yeah. There we go. We have been talking about doing another podcast for a really long time because it is something that we have uh, not been following up with as much as we should. So it's good that we're here. That's right, and we even have a guest scheduled for next week already. But shh, we'll we'll tell you guys about that later. But for now, we're we're really happy to ha have a, a a special guest. Um, we we've been following this guy's career for years and years. Um, we've known him for quite a long time, um, and it's 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 so fun to watch someone who is working in the film industry full-time mm -hmm. uh not uh you know working a second job and then being a producer this guy is producing 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 um non-stop it's it's uh you you just watch new credits pop up on his imdb page all the time um so we're we're gonna get into talking to uh christopher Giroux um from black fawn films and black fawn distribution and uh and also you know just going off and and producing uh, uh things outside of of his original group um oh, uh, time and time time and time again so we're going to get in and chat with a, a real uh working producer which is pretty exciting uh for us so uh it, it, do you want to give any quick updates before we dive into the show the high the work continues we, yes we move forward slow but sure the work continues that's it all right, well, maybe we'll give an update on what we're up to a little bit later on, but for now, let's get started. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Jay. We run Fable Forest Films. Right now, we're totally independent. Well, what's the dream? Making crazy awesome film and television for the biggest studios. This podcast is our journey. There we go. Welcome. Hey, that was a cool <laughs> intro. I like the intro. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome, Chris. Uh, for uh, thanks for being with us today. Uh, look, we we've already got some some live viewers. This is pretty nice. Here, here we go. We got we got uh, Mike Mike Lindsay, uh, uh, awesome uh, uh, helper extraordinaire in all kinds of uh, film related stuff in in Kitchener Waterloo. That's right, um, Mike. So, um, Chris, uh, you know, um, let's let's dive right into, sure. um, you know, we, whenever we have a guest, we like to kind of hear your story, sure. um, you know, and we're going to we're going to get into all the craziness that you've been up to these days. Uh, congratulations. You have two films premiering in Fantasia this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm this is surreal. surreal this sure. is huge. Um, but let's let's dive back and just can you start by describing uh to our audience kind of like how you got started what made you want to get into this what seems like a crazy stupid life sometimes crazy absolutely stupid at times 100 percent maddening at times brilliant at times it's uh it's definitely i feel like i joke often that i live in the land of uh in make-believe um so it's it's super fun uh, I started in the film industry when I was about 15 or 16. I started as a production assistant uh, at on a uh, Christian television program called TQ. Uh, 
uh, it was Sesame Street for Christian youth. And that's where I got my start. And uh, which is very bizarre if you know the movies that I most mostly produce, which is, you know, very graphic horror films. But there was a television studio in my hometown of Burlington. And uh, my aunt worked in the magazine division. And uh, I was able to get uh, kind of a volunteer position starting there. And I started a lot in, in my teenage years doing primarily Christian and kids entertainment and, and, um, and, and traveling with, uh, with some Christian rock bands and stuff like that, which is how I spent my, my teen years, which was, which was uh, a lot of fun to be flying around the world um, and, and doing oh, live cool. events at uh, 1617, which was great. Were you in a Christian rock band? I was never in a Christian rock band. I was always the assistant technical director or technical director for a Christian rock band. Um, even though it was easier to get um, a work visa if you were an artist. So technically my work visa did have me registered as a triangle player, but <laughs> never actually Amazing. played the triangle. Never actually yeah. played the triangle in the band. But it was it was great. It was it was a great learning experience and when I came back from being kind of on the road, kind of on and off again for about two and a half years, I, I, I started to to do some movies and work in kind of very low budget B B horror movies in uh, kind of the Hamilton Bronx area as a camera operator and and kind of just spent a lot of time on set and um, you know spent some time in Ottawa doing political videos and things like that and and doing more live events with. Um, you know, political leaders or the United Nations and things like that and had mm -hmm. my security clearance for a while and um, which was a lot of fun and, and really great. And then in, uh, I went to Sheridan College for a postgraduate program mm -hmm. and uh, studied kind of producing there. And then after school, just kept hammering the film industry and just trying to get uh, projects off the ground and ended up working with, uh, with Chad Archibald and Cody Callahan on a bunch of music videos. And, uh, and that kind of spawned me working at Black Fawn for, for, for quite some time doing countless horror features, music videos and commercials. And, um, and then as the years went on there, um, just kept working away and uh, joined Black Fawn Distribution a couple of years in um, with uh, myself and Gabriel Carrere and Chad Archibald and, and CF Benner. And, and we kind of run a distribution arm of the company, even though they're, they're kind, of separate, uh, kind of separate companies, but a lot well, of the same well, people. Let's let's slow it down, okay? This sure. we have a couple of minutes for this show. So. <laughs> now, it's the now, cold notes, the cold notes. Yeah. So, so what I want to know is, do you have uh, a behind the scenes footage of the Christian Sesame yeah. Street uh, Muppets no, getting no, into? I don't. No, no. But I do have behind the scenes photos of me working in Christian rock band entertainment world i okay. do have those you've got um, one your first facebook photo is like you with a triangle it's like me just <laughs> um but it was a blast honestly man i had a great time on the road it was a great experience and uh it was fun like flying out to places on friday night and like you know spending a weekend in like ohio and then flying home on monday like that was i was 17 like it was a blast right and uh i, ha so, I had a great time doing it so how yeah. did you know how did you know at what stage did you know that you wanted to be involved in film production? I think, um, like, since birth. I just was obsessed with movies. My whole room was movies, and if it wasn't movies, it was action figures. And you can tell behind me, still mm -hmm. lots of yeah. toys and action figures. Yeah. Um, and I've always just been obsessed. You know, Planet of the Apes, Friday the 13th. Um, Star Wars, like these movies were on endless repeat to the point that I would burn out the, I would burn out the, uh, the VHS and I had to get a new one. So, so now were you, did you have the, the, or did you have those horror movies? Were they already inside you before you were with the Christian rock group? Or? Oh yeah. I was a horror fan since I remember yeah. like just like sleepovers as kids, like sneaking downstairs and watching evil dead. And, and I think my first horror movie that I remember was Child's Play 2. Like, I think that was my first one. And I remember just being like, there are movies like this. This is wild. And then, you know, it was, it was Evil Dead. It was Exorcist. It was, it was all those things, you know, back to back to back. And it was it, an amazing genre to work in, which I love. Adrian, so. what was your first horror film that you remember watching? When did you first watch a horror I, movie? Do you know what? And I and I think about this, but I can't remember. He's the still waiting. It's, he's, he's saving himself. He's going to watch one eventually. 
<laughs> oh, he, gonna be he, he's watched. <laughs> he's watched some of yours. I know that. Sure. Watched, yeah. So, what, what do you think the first one was? Well, it, it, I can't remember the name of the movie. I'll just tell you what happened that yeah. is burnt into my memory. Is just sure. this this guy got turned into a snake, okay, and his mouth split open over here, and his his head kind of opened up, and this giant snake kind of crawled out of his mouth, and that is just completely burnt into my memory. Yeah. I was about six years old when I saw that, so six or seven. Wow. So I was absolutely not supposed to be watching that, but totally. that is burnt in there i can't yeah. remember except for except for dreamscape the guy turns oh, into a snake i think yeah. but yeah i think i think my first one was was again at like a, a buddy's birthday party i was never allowed to watch horror movies that young but i think we watched the howling that was my right. first uh yeah. first foray um and now y- you had said that you went to sheridan college yeah. uh for film production I, I or was it for, like television I, I took uh, advanced film and television. It's a post-grad program. So I, mm-hmm. it was a one-year program. I think it's a year and a half now, but at the time it was just one year. Do you ever talk to brand new kids that are trying to get into film or they're like, do you ever give advice to like a nephew or, a, a you know, somebody that, uh, that, yeah, you know, like I've gone back and uh, I've spoken at Sheridan a couple of times and my high school had a big film program. So uh, I, I've definitely kept in touch with my, high school film teacher. His name is Peter Vandermeulen. And there's also credited in every feature I've ever produced. Oh, wow. um, but, um, but yeah, I, I've done kind of talks and, and guest lectures and things like that as well. And we've had different PAs and volunteers and people interns and things like that on our set to, to kind of really get, I, I was very fortunate at a very young age. I had a lot of, a lot of help, a lot of very amazing people that would take me under their wing and, and show mm-hmm. me, some really exciting projects and take me on board really, um, really cool stuff that really got me my start. So I, I'm a huge believer in kind of paying it forward and kind of finding the, you know, the next class, the next generation, the new whoever to, to give them a start for sure. It's important. Now, what, what do you think about, what do you think about kids these days that are thinking about film school, whether mm-hmm. it be like a, like a university program, like a Laurier or like a Vancouver Film School versus, um, you know, uh, Conestoga College or Fanshawe or Sheridan, those types of film and television production type of. Uh, yeah, like I think for me, um, like I took a college program and to me it was just more hands on. Like you got to, in fact, like make films. And at the time it was make films on film. Like I shot on 35 millimeter and Super 16. So cool. Um, so that was that was huge. It was uh, it was it was amazing experience, and I've only got to shoot on film once since then. So um, it's a you know it was a great experience, and I'm super glad I did it. And and I got to make films and mm-hmm. make mistakes, and um, you know submit one minute a project that was supposed to be a couple minutes, like a ten minute cut, because you always think that you know oh don't worry it's it's fine it's some you know a very long cut, but that wasn't the assignment, you know, and it, it was training you for um for deadlines and it was training you for you know what networks are looking for so you know it was a tough program for sure um Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the university programs out there are a lot of film theory which is great and super fun and definitely fun to learn and and you know i love learning about the process and learning about filmmakers techniques The, the problem that i find is that you don't actually make a lot of movies if a movie at all Mm-hmm. And uh, it is just that it's just theory. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just very interesting for sure. And I I, I personally love it. But <laughs> I, I find that if you're going to get into filmmaking, you kind of have to either start making films and come up that way, which huge success, right? Like Chad Archibald and Cody Callahan can go to film school. Um, Chad went for graphic design um, and, and Cody went to like an arts program. Mm-hmm. Um but myself and Jeff Mahar, cinematographer and director, like we both went to Sheridan, we both went to the same program, drastically different years, but um, we both went to the same program. So I think that you could either go out and start making films or, you know, go to a, a college where they make films. Mm-hmm. Um, but the film theory I find is very interesting, but I, I don't find it applies um, much to the day-to-day that, that I encounter anyways as a filmmaker. And uh, before we get into the Black Fawn stuff, I'll just ask one more mm-hmm. question uh, about kind of new people breaking in, especially at a young age, um, uh, selfishly, uh, because my kid is going through this. Um, you know, 
what do you think these days about people just trying to go to work? So, you know, trying to, you know, if they've got a car and they're, they're in Toronto and they're, they're like, I want to be a PA, I want to do these types. And I just want to start getting involved. What, what are some good uh, uh, pieces of advice you have? Well, in my opinion, that is the best way, like to get on set, like to get on as many sets as possible, good sets, bad sets, short film sets, student film sets, every, every set possible. Um, And the reason why is because it, you really do find out what style of filmmaking that you like to work in, what environments you like to work in, how people do certain things. You get to learn by example. You get to watch, even if you're as a PA, there's going to be a PA that has been PAing for a while on that set. You're going to get an opportunity to shadow that guy, even though you might say we're all PAs. That PA has six months to a year experience, right? So he knows the daily operations, the set etiquette, the you know the proper way to, to go about like a normal film set. Mm-hmm. And then in a couple of months, you're going to be that rock star PA that now has six months on the new guy. And you're going to be passing that knowledge down, but production is always aware of you. And they're saying, listen, that PA has been really great. Maybe we could use them in locations. Maybe we can use them in as a third AD. Maybe we can put them over here. We've gotten to know him a little bit. We trust him a little bit more. And he said, wow, I really want to get into camera. Maybe there's a camera assist, you know, we'll, everyone likes to promote within and, and, and see friendly faces. So it's like just getting out there, getting on the set as many sets as possible. Those are how a very organic working relationships start. And, um, and, and you can really build off that. You can build off that momentum. That's awesome. So coming, coming out of Sheridan College or in, mm-hmm. in that phase, what was, the ne- what was the first big project that made you feel like you – that made you nervous. That made you your mood <laughs> shake a little every bit. Project. Um, yeah, every project. Every project. Every um, project. Yeah. Because every project comes with this new challenge. Um, I remember like coming out of school. I was working primarily a lot in in kind of live entertainment. Uh, coming right out of school, um, but I did a music video. Of, I think my first like big music video was for Theory of a Dead Man, and uh, and I was I was I was it was big. It was I believe it got ended up getting like you know, over 3 million views on YouTube or something, Mm. but it was, it was, it was big. It was, it was, it was a smaller project in comparison to some of the music videos I did just following, but I got to work with an amazing team and it was uh, like a very cool experience. And then a couple months later we did Megadeth, which was very big for me. And um, so it was like really awesome. And then, you know, we got to do like Motley Crue's like final video of all time. And like, it, it, it started to really like pick up, but you know, there was definitely every project comes with this, like, Ooh, like a lot of eyes, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because we were always mixing it up too. And like, you know, sometimes we would do music videos for different labels or different networks mm-hmm. or some were a grant. So you always wanted to impress and always wanted to give your best. So there's always still to this day, I always get like a little, Ooh, like, you know, it's yeah, you know, again, like that roller coaster, like it's going up right. and up and up and up. Um, and you're like, okay, this is exciting. It's exciting. And then it's like, Oh man, we're almost at the top. So, because the, the thing is, if you keep knocking it out the park, that kind of becomes the expectation totally that yeah. you, that you got sure. to knock it out the park now yeah. again and again and again. So it gets sure. the tension just builds. Fantastic. What was the, uh, what was the, do you remember the name of the theory of a dead man video? Hurricane. Hurricane. Yeah, okay. sure. Okay. And so your lyric video was called, and they had like the lyrics like go like this, and there was like a model, and she was like you know ripping up the lyrics, and they were kind of like going all over the wall and stuff. But yeah, it was called Hurricane. All right, I'm I'm gonna po- I'm gonna post that link in the uh, in the thingy. <laughs> that was so long ago. So long yeah, ago. yeah. This is this is what it's all about. A different yeah. lifetime. So what what was the first um uh. Now, when did you start working with Black Fun Films? When did you guys? Now, were you did you kind of get started with them at from the beginning? No, no, it was going on for years before me. Um, they had uh, like countless films. I was aware of them. I met uh, an actor named Rye Barrett. I met him first, um, and just, I, just I met him in college. Right. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I, I met him in college. Um, I interned on a in the G in, in the grip and lighting department. And he was one of the actors on the show. And we ended up talking because uh, I would wear like a silly comic book shirt or a movie shirt every day, different one every day. And uh, he would always try to guess tomorrow's or, or you know, 
things like that. So we, we bonded. And then about a year and a half later, he was, um, he was working on this um, con- proof of concept trailer and asked if I wanted to come out. And I just got back from uh, backpacking Europe. And I was like, sure, like I'm in. Like I, I just moved back from Ottawa where I was living and uh, at the time. And he said, do you want to come to set? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And uh, I showed up on set, but uh, I got kind of turned around because it was in like a parking garage. So like everything kind of looked the same. And the only phone number on the call sheet um, didn't have a name next to it, but it was the only person I knew um, on the team. So I assumed it was Rye Barrett's phone number. And I called and someone answered and they're like, hello. And I was like, hi, I'm, you know, Chris, I'm here working on, on this video today. You're the only phone number. And I got locked in this parking garage staircase and I don't know where to go. And the door opened and that was Chad Archibald. And that's how I met Chad. <laughs> uh, he saved me from the parking garage staircase in Guelph, Ontario. And, uh, and we became that's... friends and we became very close and we started doing a lot of projects together. So that was who I want to say 2011, 2010, 2011. Um, hmm. And yeah, we, we just, went to work like we we did so many projects back to back whether it was music videos or features and things like that but it, the the company was going on with with Chad and Cody who were the original creators and owners far before I came on they did movies called um Kill and they produced uh, If a Tree Falls they did um um Never Lost Bounty Hunters um so they did uh, like smokes. they did like a lot five, of films they did like five or six um and they had premieres at Fantasia and and, and all that stuff way before I came on so that's amazing. Yeah. And what what was the first feature that you really worked with them on as a producer? Do you remember? That would be any, any social one. Any yeah. Social? So like we did, um, we helped some other filmmakers uh, from Collingwood um, make movies called Eject Septic Man and Hellmouth. We did those um, to help out another team, and it, we were all friends, and so we went up and shot like three back to back movies in Collingwood. And when we got back after the third one, um, Chad and Cody were having meetings at Breakthrough Entertainment and they were pitching and they liked one of the concepts and it got greenlit and virtually we started a couple weeks later to getting things off the ground. I remember, I remember Ejecta. Mm-hmm. I think Rye was in that, Is that, am I right? Rye was in that, yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it on Netflix and being like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of, uh, that was kind of cool. That's great. Was that... I, just remind me, was it uh, Julian? Julian Richings. Yeah, which was funny because um, I got to uh, I worked with them. That was the first feature I ever worked on, like with like in the horror genre as a production manager. And uh, I just did my twentieth feature uh, a couple months ago, and Julian was the lead of that too. So it felt real full circle for me to uh, work with Julian again after uh, nineteen other movies. So. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, um, I think I think um, I can't. I I literally cannot remember when I met you for the first time, but I think it was you and Chad uh, and some other folks giving a talk in Hamilton, if I remember correctly. Yeah, about like Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, and it was like. Uh, Maybe I think it might have been Black Fawn Distribution uh, that was. Yeah, I think it was Black Fawn Distribution. I think Tony Burgess was there, um, yeah. who wrote Pony Pool, and I think uh, I think Julian Richings was there too. Yeah, what? Uh, at what point did you did you guys uh, create the distribution uh, company, and and why? Like, yeah, so, yeah. So the distribution company again was was around before me. It was mm-hmm. it was around. Um, when they put out a movie called If a Tree Falls, which was like a real um, Canadian grindhouse movie from from Gabriel Carrere. So they they were, Black Fund Distribution was around and they would go to events like Shockstock and stuff like that all the time when I was first meeting them. And I would kind of just tag along um, and go to these events and go to these conventions. And then before you know it, I was kind of working the booth. And then before you know it, I was kind of selling DVDs. And I was like, wow, this is like kind of fun. And uh but it got started because like the independent scene is, you know, it's, it's a tough scene. It's a fun scene. It's a very supportive scene, but it's tough. And um, they wanted to create a company that uh, was a little bit more accessible, especially for first time filmmakers or, you know, really passionate filmmakers trying to get genre content out into the world. So, you know, we started with just releasing 
kind of movies that they made in house. And then we started acquiring other titles of, of films that we really enjoyed that thought should have kind of a sweet release and someone to mm-hmm. rally behind them to get them out mm-hmm. there. So we picked up other movies, um, Legend of the Psychotic Forest Ranger. We picked up The Door. Mm-hmm. We picked up Horsehead. And um, we started to push movies in Canada more and more. And we started to get some traction. And we kind of got together and said, like, what if instead of just selling, you know, going to convention to convention, like, what if we had a bit of an online store? And what if we made partnerships right. with stores? And, you know, what if we reached out to other filmmakers? And what if we started mm-hmm. presenting things ourselves? And it really kind of picked up steam. And also it kind of feels like being in a band because it's like you just hang out with these guys on weekends at events. Right. And uh, none of us play any, like, sports or <laughs> musical instruments. So this is kind of like our band. We kind of, like, adapted these kind of almost uh, like weekend warrior type uh, type mentality where you go to signings or you go to conventions or, or comic cons or whatever and you get to just hang out and talk about horror movies. So it's been a blast, like an absolute blast. You were involved with Bite. Yes. And yeah. uh, Sublet. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I still think Sublet, I, I feel like still has like a, a pretty special spot in my heart because now were you involved with uh, Bed of the Dead as well? Or yeah, no? I got the poster yeah. behind me. Oh yeah, f- fair enough. Oh, I can't see, yeah. it, but okay. Um, you know, I, you guys kind of went through a series uh, of of films, and I will say, like for me, Sublet was something completely different. Yeah, it was um, very psychological, more so than the body horror and stuff like that. that we yeah, yeah, I I loved it, and but I I wanted to ask you, you know, for Bite. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you guys went on vacation. We did. did we so vacation. What, what what happened? What happened there? Did you did you actually? I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but are, sure. did you get permits and stuff, or did you just like go on vacation to the tropics and uh, and? It was and, it was yeah. a hybrid. We definitely got um, like permission when when we were there um, to shoot, but it started as just like we just wanted to get some found footage. So there there, there weren't a lot of like huge like scenes. Yeah. Um, but we did want to go on a vacation is definitely something we we're all planning on going. And, uh, we decided to fly the actresses down, um, and, uh, and just do some, do some fun filming. But that was after the movie was wrapped. So is that right? We, we shot the majority of the movie and then right Ooh. after, right after, uh, new year's that year, we all flew down for a week. You're like, let's celebrate. But well, now we're celebrating. Well, was yeah. that, was that part of the plan? Or what, did you always know you were going to do that? Or did you, we always knew we were going to do something. Um, How many people were going to go and to what extent was kind of constantly evolving. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but we had a blast. That was super fun, but it was, it was an experience that we, we speak very fondly of because it was a great time. It's also where they shot the opening scene for the original Jurassic park. Um, So like when he's going to find like the little Amber and they're pulling him on the boat, like that's where we shot it. And um, so it was fun, like shooting where they shot Jurassic Park. But it, the, to find the motivation when you're in such a beautiful country, laying on a beach, to go hike up a mountain with camera strapped to your back because there's no motorized vehicles that can get there, is it's hard to find that motivation. Um, but we were able to find it, but it was fun. It was fun for sure. Just just give people like a, a like a one liner for what bite is all about. It's uh, it's a body horror film where a girl gets uh, bitten by a bug while on a bachelorette party and starts to turn into that bug when she's home. So it's wonderful. It's gross. gross. It's you gross. should check yeah. it out. Um, at what point did you? And has this always been the case? Um, at what point did you become a full time filmmaker? Um, I think probably in and around like. You know, working as producer or, or camera or, you know, still wearing a lot of different hats. I like I've more or less been doing it steady for, I would say, I don't know, probably 13 years. I think that was the last time I had like a, like a job that didn't involve like, you know, live concerts or things like that. Um, probably mm-hmm. for about 13 years. Yeah. But and producing, like just producing. Let's say. Probably about uh, like almost five years with the odd camera gig here and there just because i love it but I would say mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and uh, when have you always been uh producing stuff outside of black fawn or 
what did you get to a kind of a point where you had been working with them for a while and you started to take on other gigs as well yeah so definitely like black fawn's always like you know like my home like my passion especially the distribution company now because um i i definitely work there um you know as much as i can um recently um like I was I was getting some other offers for some other films with some other friends of mine that we that we worked on and I and I have worked on you know films over the past couple of years that weren't um, just Black Fawn I, I did uh, like a movie James Franco shot up here and like a couple other projects that uh, that were shot here as well um, but I, a friend of mine wanted to make his directing debut and in, uh, two years ago he approached me to ask if I would just produce this one off project with him. And that kind of turned into kind of like two back to back right away. Um, and with that company, it was uh, Vortex Words and Pictures. And um, about a year ago, they 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 asked me to stay on and run some movies for them for about a year. So um, you know, as much as I'm still you know very much good friends with with Chad and Cody, and and just celebrated the Oak Room with them last last week. Uh, like that was that was a the my most recent Black Fawn film. They did other films since. They did a movie called Vicious Fun. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to to help out on that one because I had a other film shooting at the same time. But right now, I'm currently just producing for Vortex Words and Pictures, who most famously did Wolf Cop and another Wolf Cop and and, and those cool. movies. So primarily working with those guys for sure. But all obviously like my my roots run deep with the Black Fawn boys, and I was right. so proud of uh, of the Oak Room, and and so happy to have just a teeny tiny small role in being the associate producer on that. And but it was it was definitely like you know Chad and Cody's baby for sure. And and as of right now, ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just so huge when Inception is only eighty five. So it's definitely a dream come true. That is awesome. To, um, to have the reviews that are that are coming in, and it's been so great to celebrate with them. But uh, I, I've been doing mainly outside Black Bond stuff for about two years now, minus the Oak Room, which was uh, kind of already in place before making the jump. And uh, so now I've been doing, I think, like seven seven or eight films since since the Oak Room was actually shot. So. Give us like um, when you look through your IMDb list, okay? Mm -hmm. You see. Uh, executive producer, producer, mm -hmm. associate producer, line producer. Um, describe to people the different kind of hats that you wear when you get involved with different things and what some of those pieces mean, if that. Yeah, for helps. sure. I think that I, I definitely take a more, um, more hands-on approach to producing than most. Um, like I like to be, I like to be right in it. So there's definitely executive producing where it's primarily you're working on funds and things like that, that you're kind of getting that in order. There's producing that you're kind of running the kind of the ship to some degree, at least the business aspects of the ship. And now I work with like amazing producers like Bill Marks and, and Jesse Eichmann and Justin Rebello. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, in a crazy producing team that I get to be a part of and do the movies that I do now. Uh, and then line producers is the guy that's kind of running the day to day kind of overseeing today and tomorrow when the producer's kind of seeing to the end of the week, to the end of the month, to the end of the post schedule. Uh, and an associate producer and kind of co-producers are people that are kind of helping put put things in line and, and you know, kind of put the last pieces of the puzzle together, um, whether that's in an organization kind of structure or whether that's, you know, helping, um, you know, get a last studio or, you know, a big arrangement when it comes to gear, things like that kind of just supporting the film anyway um, as possible. So kind of all falls within just good organization and communication. Yeah, just totally. totally. Just making it happen. Yeah. Totally. So, uh, yeah. so now the, the filmmaking process is a very long one. Mm -hmm. What is one of your favorite parts? Like, is it the, is it the beginning or is it the, the very end when you're seeing it on the screen? What, <laughs> what part is your very nerve wracking part of the processing? Yeah, on the yeah, yeah. And I also have a rule um, that I, the last time I ever watched the movie is at its world premiere and then I never watch them again. What? Um, so that is, it's, uh, it's been super fun. I've seen little clips. Um, that feels that like a good rule. That is a good rule, actually. Once I feel like we have the same done. rule. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it's been it's been cool. It's been fun. Sometimes people are like, "Let's sit down and watch it." 
Um, and I'm like, here's the Blu-ray and please enjoy. Um, but, uh, but you guys yeah, don't understand that I have a rule and uh, I have a rule right, right here. Rule. So it's I tattooed it on my <laughs> can't break it. So that's the last time I watch it, but it's amazing because it's the best last viewing because it's the first time an audience is seeing it. They're reacting. They're, you know, they're ooing, they're awing, they're, they're, we've had clapping and cheering and, and people throw up and it's been a <laughs> wild experience uh, because that is going to be the best viewing. So that's the mm -hmm. last time I ever watch it. But well, I don't know. I like, I love shooting. I love being on set. I love, um, I love prep. I'm huge on prep. I'm prepping a new movie right now. Um, and it's, I love it. It's very collaborative. Yeah. I like working with the director and going out on location scouts and working with trying to find good actors and things like that. Um, I'm not a massively technical guy. So the editing and sound mixing and sound editing and, and all yeah. that stuff is very lost on me. And I'm so fortunate to have um, a line producer on my team named James Young. And uh, he is a wizard when it comes to tech. So uh, I do sometimes rely too heavily on him in post, but he is, he's so awesome. And I work with another guy named Evan Atoni, who's an amazing line producer that's kind of been running a lot of our posts as well. Um, so it's it's great. But uh, the, the prep, love the prep, because I'm super organized. And even when you were joking earlier, Adrian, about you know Jay not sitting completely in front of the two doors correctly, like I was like, oh, thank you. I'm glad you said something and not me. You guys, so, relax. Just chill out. If I adjust my screen, it'll change his. Um, but I'm the same way. I'm a huge, huge organization communication cool. guy. So in prep, it's all about communication and organization. So it's where I strive. I got my notebook and my, my laptop and I go everywhere with it. So amazing. Um, Great, you're producing this show now, so that's fine. It's a... <laughs> From afar, you know? This took him ten minutes. <laughs> um, you you uh, you've done some uh, holiday movies. Sure. Yeah. Uh, which which have, have probably, I assume, been a slight departure from the Madden. blood and guts horror movies. Um, mm -hmm. But get, tell us a little bit about what it's like working on, um, you know, W Network or Hallmark style, uh, uh, just movies in general or Christmas yeah, movies in general. I love it. And it's a blast. And I'm not just saying that because they pay me to say that. I'm saying it because it's amazing and it's so much fun. Um, the reason I really started to get attracted to the holiday romance and the more MOW style was the one thing I love about the horror genre and even the comic book genre and the sci-fi genre is that the fans are super passionate. And I find that fans of some other genres, um, like dramas, you can be like a big passionate drama fan, but there isn't like, you know, specific right. like, drama centric groups and organizations and conventions and whatever for all these dramatic pieces. With horror and sci-fi and comic books, like if you're a fan, it's the best time to be a fan ever because there's all these events and online conventions and Disney Plus, and it's endless. When it comes to all day romance, that fandom is huge. People, my wife, my wife is in there. Them. They love them. They don't kind of like them. They don't like, oh, I'll watch it if it's on. They love it. It's yeah. huge and it's amazing. And I respect that so much as being a crazy fan. I'm a fanboy. I have an affinity gauntlet in the background. Like, I am a definition of a crazy fanboy. And making content for other fans is is what is the best part of making yeah. movies it's not about you know crazy box office it's about i always joke it's about asses and seats it's about people that want to come out and watch the movie or watch the movie at home or just watch the movie from wherever and making genre films you have that hungry audience of people that like zombie movies or people that like alien movies or people that like vampire movies well in this movie in this genre it's like people that like christmas movies or people that make like some romance movies or people that like christmas movies in july like <laughs> if, if there's a subgenre of a subgenre and the fandom is huge and people go really really crazy for these films and it's so much fun because that fandom is huge there's christmas conventions now in the u.s where you can come meet these christmas stars what? Wow. Crazy. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I totally believe it because when I wow. when I watch my wife and my mother uh oh movie. Yes. Adrian, you're cutting Hello. out there, bro. But Back. when when I watch my wife and my mother-in-law and the way that they watch these Christmas movies, you they watch them with with like a ferocity. They watch yeah. they'll watch three in a day. No There's problem. Hunger. This yeah. is like a Netflix thing where it's like, I need to watch the next episode. <laughs> and uh, I was going to say the same thing. Anne is like, uh, listen, I don't care if it's good. I'm just going to watch all of them. Good, bad, happy, and or sad. Let's put them all on right now. Like it's sometimes, you, sometimes you watch one, you're like, what is happening here? Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. You'll pick it up in the second act. But she lo she loves it's it. amazing. And it comes with brand new challenges, right? It comes like, how do you make it snow in August, which I had to do two weeks ago. It's like, how do you do, how do you make Main Street look like, you know, December 24th when it's like Dundas in the summertime? Yeah. Like it comes with its own hurdles and its own challenges. And instead of a blood cannon, it's a snow cannon. Right. And we were on a movie back in February and, and January where it was supposed to snow, but we got no snow and we have an outside scene. So I remember back doing, you know, practical effects on set where you get this like blood pump, you get it from the dollar store and you fill it with blood and it's like a Hudson sprayer, like what you'd spray your, your uh, plants and stuff with. Mm -hmm. So I was like, we used to use these as, as to spray blood uh, in horror movies and music videos. So I went down to Dollarama, we got a bunch of these Hudson sprayers. We filmed them, filled them half with male shaving cream and water and we stirred it up and with the Hudson sprayer it sprayed white foam everywhere and that was our snow for all of our hedges and it's in the movie you can't tell that it's not snow but I would only have known that trick doing so many blood gags so it's it's similar but it's different good work mm -hmm. Chris good that work amazing come on yes great <laughs> save come the on. day <laughs> so tell tell us about some of the the I mean most recently you uh, uh now was a perfect plan what you were talking about with your your buddy or was that yeah, how did that come plan. up that was that was the perfect plan was the first movie we did together it was jesse eichmann who's now one of my producing partners and um he he directed it and and, and produced it and co-wrote it so he came to me and said i want to do something let's do this and it was great let's talk about now this may not be the first one for you but i'm just Checking sure. out loud. Um, but in a perfect plan, you had William Forsyth as an yeah. example. Um, what is your experience getting named actors in smaller type indie films? Sure. Does this one classify as an indie film, would you say? Yeah, I think it's indie for sure. Yeah. Um, it didn't have a major studio or anything attached to it. So it was a, you know, a, a heist thriller drama. Mm-hmm actiony type film um mm -hmm. it was great and but like it was it was a challenge to 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 find out who was right for the part we definitely went out to a bunch of people for various parts for various films and sometimes you hear really positive things back sometimes you don't hear back at all um but when we approached william for the role he was really excited he was really pumped and you know we got to spend a lot of time on set together and 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 spent most of the, the off times together as well just talking about Devil's Rejects, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So I definitely talked his ear off just about that film. Yeah. Um, but he was pumped. He was excited and he was so dedicated. And and Carlo Rota as well. Like that guy was that guy was in it, like from the moment he was on set. Yannick from Murdoch Mysteries and, and, and Kathleen Monroe. Like everyone was so had done so many things that I was familiar with, like Kathleen's in the void. Um yeah. you know, Carlo is on 24. Like everyone like knew like these people that were stepping onto the set and there was, it was just, they were there to make the best movie. Like they mm -hmm. were pushing it every day. They were, you know, we were shooting long days cause we only had the actors for, just a long, for such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, but it was great. It was great. And obviously sometimes you make, you make offers to some people and they just, you know, they politely pass and, and that's just the way it is, you know, but uh, once you find the right people, it, it's fantastic. It's like lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I suppose that is that is the difference working with professional actors. They they bring. I mean, make it happen. If Absolutely. we had a professional podcaster, he would not have slow internet <laughs> connection. 
Just saying. It's, it's, it's a collective. We're all streaming on the internet. Bro. It's just crazy. And it's pulling Adrian. It's pulling Bro, it, you're, it's embarrassing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So listen, I'm sorry. Okay. I I'm into it. The dramatic pauses. It's like, yeah. I'm into it. In. I'm frozen again. You're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Chris, can you talk a little bit about one of the one of the more difficult experiences that you've had on set? You don't really. We're, we're not interested in like naming names, but something sure. where I suppose it's it's a liken to getting a bit of a kick in the gut, where you're like, "Ooh, mm, that really off. hurts." You have to you have to get up quick. Um, but yeah, I think that there's there's probably. Uh, you know, I always joke there's an oh yeah moment and there's an oh shit moment on every film. And there's there's always that moment that you walk away and you're like, I'm going to tell this story forever because I never knew it was going to turn out this good or this awesome or I can't believe that that actually worked. And there's always going to be a moment where you're like, ah, well, that is just horrible. How did that I am, happen? I am never going to tell this story because... <laughs> I'm never going to tell anyone, right? But the, a fun one, which I will tell, is when we were shooting The Heretics, um, we were uh, out very remotely in this cabin. And there was one of the days we had a bunch of people, and um, yeah, I think you were out there. And there was, made, there was a snow... There was a rainstorm. Yeah. And everyone kind of like huddled in the cabin. And when we were shooting the behind the scenes, we were asking everyone like, what's like a silly story on set? And everyone was talking about the scene where we had all these cult members and, um, and they were all in masks and wardrobe and things like that. And we had like our big hero fight scene day and the rain was crazy. It was crazy. And all the actors were saying like, oh, it was crazy. We were all hovered in this cabin. It was crazy. It was so much fun. And Cody and I were there being like, I don't remember that. Like this wholesome moment where we were all just like in a cabin waiting out a rainstorm. And then we remembered that exact moment where everyone has this great memory. We were in this three person tent, this like office tent, getting just demolished by this storm. <laughs> and one, there was the ceiling was in three pockets and it was like something out of Jurassic Park. like. The, fur the furthest one went and the ceiling collapsed and then the next ceiling panel collapsed and Cody and I had like enough time to like look at each other and then like leap over the printer and then the roof went and we're trying to like shovel, you know, as much gear, laptops into Chad's truck and like we've got all this technology piled around us just waiting out the storm. Meanwhile, everyone's like, oh, we're in this cabin and it was like this cute moment and it's like something I'll carry with me for the rest of my days, this camaraderie day. And I was like, Cody and I were like in a storm trying to like protect like a printer. And uh, it's just funny how someone's best day on set was also my worst day on set. So listen, everyone. A, oh yeah, moments and oh shit moments for sure. Go and watch mm -hmm. The Heretics and, uh, you know, keep an eye out for me. Yeah, you're in there. You're in there. But it was a crazy want... day. So was Connor and so was Wirtz. Uh, who plays the lead in our movie Shifted? Uh, he's amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, very remote, very remote. It was amazing. Is that cabin still standing? Still standing. This, is, this is what I hear. They they built a cabin in the woods and in the ground up with um, recycled wood. So amazing! Oh wow! Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was fun. Yeah, um, you know what, what about something that I have noticed is just that um, the production people. And the people who are making the movie, there is like a separation between <laughs> the people carrying the light stands and the people who are doing the performance. Like that's, I, I find that's, there, there is a distinct separation that happens there because the people, a lot of people who are carrying light stands and sandbags would be out in the rain. Sure. And the people who are like, and the actors, they have to wait for their time right. to shine, which is the performance. Of course. And so they're huddled nicely in the cabin. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there is a little line. As much as you're a family making stuff, you got to do yeah. different things. Yeah. It's, no, it's, for sure. It's always, I think that there yeah, is definitely, there's definitely a line for sure in, in some regards because obviously what, um, you know, but everyone requires a lot of focus. And I think that, yes, there is some lines and some industry lines that, you know, it's, but that's more set etiquette than, than the lines. The way like we work and, and the, the way Black Fawn works or, or how we work at Vortex is, that you can't 
take anyone out of the equation. And I just wrapped a movie post COVID and I, I can tell you that no one is more important or less important on one of my sets. And the reason why is because the reason it's so smooth is because of the whole machine. And whether you're a driver picking up an actor, you know, the actor could have health conditions. It could have, you know, they could be elderly, especially in post COVID, like the respect from the driver feeds the respect of the person they're picking up who feeds the respect of when they come out on set and meet everybody or to the makeup artist. And it's so important. And I think that there obviously is, you know, some people that are bosses and some people that are, you know, members of the team that work under people for sure. But I, I feel like it's very important to have everybody on the same page. And we've been very mm -hmm. fortunate with the performers that we worked with, as well as, you know, some of the directors that have flown up from the U S is like, I feel like they see how we work and it, it's, it's very different than the average film set. We're always trying to improve the working conditions and we're always trying to work together. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I, I think it's great how everybody works together. And just because someone's role seems more glamorous, mm -hmm. it's definitely not necessarily more. important. Well, I, I always find it's, it's, it's nice to see when, when the, the crew almost, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a source of pride, right? That they're going to be like, no, I'll hold on eating because I want to make sure that this thing is set up. And right. yet I'm going to go, I'm going to slog and I'm going to do the thing so yeah. that everybody can, can bring their A game to the table. I'm going to oh, do right. my job so that they can do their job. Absolutely. Uh, right. And, and it's, it's pretty, it's sometimes you, you get some, some crew that are so instrumental mm -hmm. to just yeah. making, everybody's life easier right because 100%. they care they care they're there to do a thing and and yeah. they're there to do it really well something I, I i really love about the machinery of a film set is that everybody shines at a different moment like the most everybody is the most important person at some stage in the day 100 percent. like your transport at the beginning of the day the most important person is the transport person yeah. And at some stage, then you got your lighting. And, and at some stage, it's it, everybody's at the top of the mountain at a different point in the day. And then when the cameras are rolling, you know, now it's your focus puller, your operator, and your actors who are the yeah. top of the mountain. Or your location sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or your script supervisor. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many people. It's, it's a find yeah. a little machine. You can't remove one person and expect the same results, you know. So that's great. We are building towards using all of these people. Like our productions haven't yet been big enough that we've had like a full crew of people. So we're actually just excited to be able to be moving in that direction yeah, where one day we will have a script supervisor. Yeah. You know, we've never, we've never made anything with a script supervisor. So we don't really know what we're missing. Yeah. We do it. There you go. But it's being done. You're just doing it. So you do have a script correct. supervisor. It's just you guys, right? So And then when we fuck up, we're like, say, I wish I had a script supervisor. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, we, you, you know, you guys, honestly, this we we talk about you and we talk about uh, all the Black Fawn boys mm -hmm. with um, like, a, like a reverence, yeah. you know? We're like, we're we're trying to be those guys and that's that's where you know we're we're not always making horror but sure. we're but that you guys have been like an inspiration where we watch the things that 100%. you're doing and we work towards uh you know improving our game every time and trying to come out with you know content after content after content and uh so you guys have been really fun to follow you may not know that we're 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 on trying to be on your heels, but that's for us. When we talk to other people, we always bring you guys up. Um, you know, when we're talking to um, you know other production houses or other distributors and stuff, you, your names tend to come up um, because you're like our, uh, you know. Yeah, we're we're working towards trying to be trying to do the kinds of things that you guys have been doing. Mm -hmm. So we kind of we kind of trying to move in that same direction as you guys. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are in post now with projects and 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 you know have been making making great content for quite some time. Yeah. So it's awesome. And it's I think that the the amazing thing with the industry in general, which is something I really like about it, is it's very collaborative. There's a there's a real rich sense of community. Um, everybody wants everybody else in the industry to do well. No one's out here being like, oh, these guys fail. Like they want 
everyone to do well. And there's opportunities where we can help other filmmakers, whether that's in a black font distribution capacity where we pick up their film and distribute it and run with it. But we've had other films that people have come to us and they said, you know, we really want you to pick up this movie and it might not be the right fit for various reasons, mm -hmm. but we know we point them in the direction and say, you know what, you might want to try over here or like maybe we can help you self distribute it, or maybe we can at least do a press release for you that you can send out to some contacts to generate some buzz. Like we always want everyone to do, to do well. And I think that that's what the industry is so supportive, especially in Canada, that there's no, everyone's on the same team. There's no, it's, it's not a comp. Team. It's, it's not, not a, a it's not a competition. There's just it, it's 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 so difficult uh, to get uh, people watching your stuff, and sure. every everybody knows it. And we try to help each other out whenever we yeah. can, for sure. And yeah. listen, it's it's uh, I I feel it all the time. It, it's it the industry is, you know, as a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but we can get real for a moment, right? The industry's tough. It's a tough yeah. industry. Oh yeah, oh, you know, and the wins the wins are so sweet <laughs> but the losses are mega yep. and, and, and frequent know, they, and take a and long frequent. time and they're all the time and there's very few moments where you're like huh, ah, good yeah good it's either like whoa or like oh no mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and they happen all the time and you even know, when it's like whoa it's like okay what's next yeah what are we and working on now off quick there was two products i was to do, i was supposed to do last year and both of them got canceled one like a week before we were going to start like real official prep and the other one like a couple <laughs> weeks before that they just for various reasons they just fell apart and i put a lot of effort and, and time into trying to get those films off the ground and they just disappeared and who knows if they'll ever come back there's obviously you know other films have filled their place but they go away and they come back and or they don't and new things do and it's 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 a roller coaster for sure that's why it's, there's very few moments where you're like in between it's either like wow or like Ugh. so so you really you really got to so maybe maybe the thing to do is to really cherish those wins oh yeah you got to and yeah. i i say it all the time i say small wins like this is a small win it's not mm -hmm. even like a big win. Like today we got like a good deal on like portable washrooms. Like that's a, that's a big, that's a win. It's not a mm -hmm. huge win, but it's a win. <laughs> and you know, we're, we're closer to locking some locations for a new movie I have coming up. And it's like, we haven't even locked them yet, but like we, there's some good negotiations. Things are feeling good. And like, you got to celebrate that win too. Right. It might all change, but gotta it's funny. Like even today, I, I'm just, I was like, yeah, I set up a meeting to talk to a guy. Yeah, small wins. I know small it sounds wins. so dumb, but you're like, you got to try to keep everything moving, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Chris, what would be, like, what is your, if you could make any movie that mm. you wanted to make, money was no option. No option. No, yeah. Or no object. You didn't have to Listen, worry about Chris, money at all. You could just Chris make can any dream, movie. Chris can yeah. dream big, okay? Sometimes we ask... Uh, uh, you know, folks that that are just starting out. Now, right. Chris is going to come to us with, yeah, he's got 13 years of full time filmmaker experience yeah. behind him. It's it would be really tough. There's there's I, I think that I'm I'm a massive 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 Star Wars fan and and and, and mega Marvel fan. That it would that that would be like a no brainer. I think that it would be it would be awesome to just do anything. Like I would just. It, Forget make a Star Wars movie. Like put me in the background and Stormtrooper outfit. <laughs> which which comic book hero movie do you want to make? I'd love to do Lobo. I think that'd be rad. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is that is probably probably the probably the most violent comic book I ever read wow. in my whole life. Was that? I really liked reading the Boys. I haven't seen the show yet, but I really liked reading that. The I Boys. That the Boys is awesome. I yeah. watched the first season with my then 14 year old and uh we are getting ready to watch season two yeah that looks rad um, and the comic book it's is awesome. very dark um, yeah let me tell you something about the show it's dark yeah yeah well, when I you mean, when you remember those first few scenes from the comic yeah. book woo, yeah the show, the show does it i watched i showed adrian about the first 45 seconds of the show maybe the first minute and a half yeah. he was like oh Okay, I gotta watch this show. Yeah, it's uh, no, I, it's pretty I, great. I, I really like that. So, but uh, I love the comic book movies. I, I think they're a blast. I love Star Wars as well. So that would be yeah. great. Um, we we do ask all of our guests also. Um, if you 
uh, we're stranded on a desert island, and you can bring the three movies that you want to watch over and over again. Obviously, it's going to be none of yours because you're never watching them again. Not. So, yeah. what uh, what would be the right here, what? That's oh. right. <laughs> what would be the three movies you would bring that you love that are like your guilty pleasures that you want to bring and watch again and again? For sure. My my number one is The Beyond. It's my favorite horror movie of all time. It's an Italian horror movie. That's my all-time fave. I collect posters and memorabilia from the film all over the globe, and it's absolutely my favorite. Um, so I would definitely bring that. I can watch it on repeat endlessly. I've never I, seen it. I would bring Empire Strikes Back um, for sure. And uh, I don't know, Guilty Pleasure. It's probably the film that in the last 15 years I've watched the most, but I would probably bring Infinity War, which I just love. Mm-hmm. Cool. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, go ahead. And what would you say is probably the, the, the biggest lesson that you've learned in, you know, as a producer, working as a producer? What's, what's one of the hardest lessons or what are the biggest lessons you've learned? I think one of the biggest lessons is definitely um, like communicating with where you want to be and who you want to be with is um, is very important. And I think that you spend so much time on set um, or planning or in an editing studio that the people around you, um, you see more often than loved ones family. or family or whatever, yeah. you, you, you get bonded quick. Um, and because you're there, you're present and everyone's working towards the same goal. But I think having communication with departments, having good communication with your crew, you know, explaining what is going on, whether it's about the project or, or whether you're not, you're sleeping or if you're not jiving with someone on set, I think clearing the air, I think being able to kind of discuss the process as it's ongoing is so important. And I think that because you spend so much time with people, good and bad. And, you know, I, we've dealt with everything under the sun with our crews over the years of, you know, deaths in their family, all the way to people getting engaged. Like it, you're there, you're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just good communication, whether that's good communication between departments or good communication with, you know, a director's vision or good communication of how we're pulling off this stunt or good communication of where the bathrooms are going to be on set, especially mm-hmm. in a post COVID world. Um, I think just outlining where everything is and and how you feel about it, you know, is, is so important. And I think that a lot of people, especially independent filmmakers, take this weight of the world on their shoulders and say, it's my responsibility if this movie goes. It's my responsibility. It's such a collaborative effort. And I think that sharing some of that load and that weight with the rest mm-hmm. of the team or co-collaborators mm-hmm. or other producers or content creators, it it, it, it it lightens the load and there's mm. people out there that want to make that content with you. Um, whether That's right. it, you know, I, I, and it's, it's so important. And I think that especially in, in today's climate where, you know, the last couple months we haven't had that much physical interaction, still communicating. We've, I've been working and planning and, and in pre-production during this whole time, working from home and working remotely. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm the type of producer that likes to get in there and it's very hard to communicate with the with people over Skype and video chat, which is mm. something that I wasn't massive on before. And now yeah, yeah. I do it every day. I do it. I do it eight times a day. And I think that having that communication and keeping that structure going, even during difficult times, was very important. And I think the communication that between crews, between performers, between everybody is is the best. Mm. It's, it's it makes or breaks the the whole shoot. Yeah, sharing the load. That sharing the load. Sharing the communication and sharing the load. Those are really important things. Amazing. Great advice. Thank you so much, Thanks. Chris. That's awesome. Chris, we're going to sign off now, and uh, we've got a particular way. Uh, if you have uh, something uh, that you'd like to say, you can sure. you can follow up after after we go. Are you ready? Sure, absolutely. Right, here, here, here we go. I'm All right. So so everyone, uh, thanks again. And now, listen. Before we sign off, actually, yeah. let me just say, let me just ask this question, Adrian. Do you want to give a quick shifted update to people? If yeah. that listen, we we still got six people watching still to this this That's whole amazing. time. That's amazing. Um, just with shifted, we're busy running through post audio right now. And the VFX list is done. The ADR list is done. We have some reshoots to do. And other than that, 
I don't know. The, the, the score is getting made, and I'm the excited. Score, the score is very exciting. There's yep. some violin in there. You guys yep. are going to love it. Um, so, yeah, a little bit more work to do, but uh, we're getting close. The mountain getting is high. Close. The mountain is high, but it's one scene at a time. That's kind of the way that I take it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do one scene. And then another scene. This is what you. This Let's is what we go. have to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Listen. Uh, thanks again for watching. Uh, uh, this has been First Frames First, the podcast of the Fable Forest. Uh, dream big. Okay, now you you're supposed to say. No, it's me. No, Adrian. Oh. I, are you? I, we can't see I, who you're pointing to. I actually froze, so I don't know what happened there. <laughs> All right. He, See, this is this Bring is what happens. <laughs> Again. Okay. From the top. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Dream big. Work hard. And this is your turn, Chris. Now you gotta say something inspirational. Wow. Yeah, you gotta now it's now it's time Today's for some inspiration inspirational, terrible. inspirational words uh, uh inspirational from our words. Um can I freeze at this dramatic time? Um, you know, just, I, I always say producing is like working on mysteries without any clues. It's from a Bob Seger song. So it's, it's how I describe producing. So get out there and start solving mysteries without any clues, you know? Oh, that was awesome. Nice. Well, that fun. was nice. <laughs> See you later guys. Bye guys. Really hope you enjoyed the show. Wherever you watched or listened, please leave us a comment or a review. We really want to hear from you. Share the show with a friend. You know they'll love us. Head over to our website, thefableforest.com. There's all kinds of great stuff. Poke around. Check it out. See you all again in a couple weeks.